I'm Dawn. And I'm Ashley. We would like to welcome you to the Work It, You Are Worth It podcast. Where two friends sit around and talk about healing, growth, and healthy relationships. Hey, Ashley. Hey, hey, Dawn. How are you tonight? I am great. How are you? I am wonderful. Good, good. You know, had a great week, I'm sure. Absolutely. Just working, just yeah, no bad weeks anymore. I love that feeling. Gosh, I know the piece is so amazing. Yes, it is. It is. Um, so last podcast, we did, we're doing something new that we haven't done before. And doing, we did a part one. And this week is going to be part two. Last week, we looked at feeling our feelings and what that meant and how we go about doing that. So I just want to give a re- quick recap to the listeners, I'm not going to go too much detail because I want you to go listen to the podcast. When we were talking about feeling, feeling our feelings, the some of the steps that we we mentioned were naming the feeling, identifying the feeling, using um, a feelings wheel, allowing the feeling or feeling the feelings in your body, allowing those sensations, paying attention to them, and then investigating what's at the um, heart of those feelings. And then being compassionate to your feelings and then sharing them in a safe space and share it with someone you feel safe. And so we, we kind of had that conversation about what that looked like for each of us. So this week, we're going to pick up with that. Instead of looking at our own feelings and how we feel our own feelings, what does it mean to feel someone else's feelings or feel another person's feelings, which is known as an empath? And Ashley, I think you have a definition that you can share with us of what it is an empath. I do. Being an empath refers to someone who takes empathy a significant step further. An empath is able to literally feel and take on other people's feelings as if they are experiencing those feelings themselves. And that comes from that definition comes from psychology today. And I want to say the important part of that is they are actually, an empath is actually feeling the other person's feelings. Would you mind reading so that it, one more time for me? Yeah. So being an empath refers to someone who takes empathy a significant step further. An empath is able to literally feel and take on other people's feelings as if they are experiencing those feelings themselves. For example, at work the other day, my boss and I found a fairly large problem and we found the the root cause of that problem and we went directly to the person responsible. And as we approached the person, my heart started pounding. My hands started sweating. I started immediately feeling very, very anxious. And I had to pause and I checked in with myself. And when I checked in with myself, I realized that I didn't actually feel anxious. But yet I had the physical symptoms of someone who felt anxious. Hmm. So I, I paused. I realized I didn't feel anxious. 
I continued on with the activity, and I'm, this is like a, just seconds progression, right? I'm still with my boss. We're still walking towards the other person. And as we continue to walk towards this person, my, my symptoms of anxiety continue to get bigger. They continue, right? My heart's pounding faster. My hands begin to shake a little bit. Again, I am not nervous. I'm actually not even saying anything. I'm simply there to hand paperwork to my boss, right? It has nothing to do with me. I'm literally just handing stuff. So I'm not actually nervous. However, as we approached the person, they were like, holy cow, I feel like I'm about to have a panic attack. I don't know why. I need to take a second before you talk to me. Okay, that explains it because as soon as they walked away, as did the anxiety feeling. Wow. When I read that definition and I say an empath is able to literally feel and take on other people's feelings as if they are experiencing themselves, it is not just something like anxiety. I have to be very careful because if Nick is having a bad day, not only am I then in a bad mood because it's hard to be in a good mood when someone you love is in a bad mood. But I actually know he's in a bad mood, even when he is trying really hard to hide that he is in a bad mood. And it's not because I notice it or I see it, or it's because I I genuinely actually feel the emotions underneath it. So I have to be very careful as I am interacting with people on a day-to-day basis to be certain that the things that I am feeling are my feelings and not me acknowledging someone else's feelings unintentionally. Can I go, I want to go back to something you said earlier that because, right, the whole thing is where you feel somebody else's feelings and you were saying you went up to your, co- you, you were walking with your, your boss to your, to this coworker to talk to them and you were getting anxious, but you weren't even there yet. And so like, how did you know their feelings? Like they didn't even know their feelings yet because you hadn't even told them, but you, I didn't know their feelings. I had absolutely no idea what they were feeling. I didn't know what they were thinking. I simply knew that out of nowhere, my heart started pounding, my hands started shaking. I began feeling anxious. And when I checked in with myself, I did not have any genuine feelings within myself that, that portrayed that anxiety. So how did you go about checking in with yourself? Like, what, did, what does that look like? It was, a lot of it was just asking myself, what do I feel right now? Like, so checking in with myself, I'm all of a sudden I realize, oh my goodness, my heart is pounding and my hands are sweating and now my hands are shaking. Why do I feel that way? Am I nervous? That was the first thing I said, right? These are anxiety feelings. I'm very familiar with the feelings of a panic attack. I'm very familiar with anxiety. These are the sensations that I feel when there is anxiety. Am I feeling anxious? And when I asked myself that question, I checked into myself. Like I just, I just asked my interior. I don't, I don't really know how to say it. It's not really asking my brain because it wasn't so much a thought as it was a feeling. I checked in with my body to see if I had 
a feeling of anxiety, not the physical symptoms, because I knew I had the physical symptoms. But when I checked in with myself, I could not find anything I was genuinely feeling anxious about. So I knew that anxiety wasn't mine. Okay, okay. At that point, though, I didn't know that it was the other person's. I just knew there was I was feeling anxiety, but there wasn't a truth to the anxiety. So in that second, I can't even say moment because we're talking about seconds here of interaction. In that second, I knew that I wasn't anxious. So either these were symptoms of, of physical symptoms that were just going to pass that I had to feel through or... Actually, I didn't have an R. In that moment, I figured they were physical symptoms that just had to pass, right? Sometimes we have anxiety and we don't understand why. So in that moment, as I, in that second, as I was walking towards this person, I had not yet connected the dots that I was feeling that person's anxiety. In that moment, I just knew I wasn't truly anxious and they were simply physical symptoms. Okay. All right. Interesting. Interesting. So I do not, I don't really consider myself an empath. And I think there needs to be a clarification here. Just because I do not, don't think I consider myself an empath, I do have empathy. And there is a big difference between the, the two. So I am... What is that difference? So I am very empathetic for individuals, which means I can, I can understand the hurt, the anger the sadness, the happiness, I can, I can relate to their feelings, but I do not take those feelings on. For example, your son is getting ready to go into the army in a couple of months. I do not have any idea what that feels like other than my 27 year old son moved to Texas, right? That's the closest I can get to it. I can't imagine what you're going through, the difficulty that comes with that. I know it's going to be very difficult. I know it's going to hurt. I know you are going to be sad. I know you're excited. And I can understand those feelings because I have felt happy, sad, excited, scared. I know those feelings. I know what those feelings feel like. So I know what you are feeling, but I am not taking those on. In other words, I don't feel those things when I talk to you about it. I, right. You don't actually feel the feelings behind the emotions. You just understand what I would be feeling. Right. And and I can say I can't imagine what you're going through, but I can understand the feelings that you have. So and that, so for me, it's very, very different from that. For me, there is a conscious knowledge of I can understand the feelings that someone is feeling. However, if I do not intentionally block feeling other people's emotions, I can actually feel the emotions they are feeling in that moment, even if they don't speak. So let me ask you a question. If someone cries, do you cry? Because I've heard that. No, but I feel sad. Okay. Because I know. So I, I, I don't cry when someone else cries, but I do gen, like I can feel. I can feel their sadness. I can. Okay. Ah, it's so hard. It is so hard to describe it to no, someone I, who doesn't. I can actually, that part, I can, like when someone cries or when someone is that sad to cry and hurting, 
I can feel it in my core. I can feel that hurt, that sadness in my core for them. Have you ever been around someone who lost their loved one? Like they were just notified that their loved one extremely close to them died and you were right there? No, I don't think so. That that I can recall sitting here right now. So that's the only, and the reason I ask you that is because that's the only thing I can compare this to is when someone is notified that their very close family member has passed away, typically there is a release of emotion from that person that is so great that the people next to them, or, or if you have ever heard a parent that loses their child, the people around them say, I could just feel their pain. I can literally feel other people's emotions, their sadness, their anger, their anxiety, their fear, their frustration, their like to the point that my kids will get frustrated with me because I will know exactly what they're feeling and think not thinking, but without them ever saying anything. Um, I have to be very intentional about what I allow inside of myself. So have you always been this way or so when I when I say that is, is there a difference in it before you've worked recovery versus now? Or is it the same? Or? It's less. It's less now than it was before I worked recovery. And it's not that it's less. It's that I have more control over myself. I think I, I have more of a self-awareness. Maybe that's what it is. I have more self-awareness than I had in the past. So in the past, I would feel someone else's feelings and I would take them on as mine because I actually thought that that's what I was feeling. Now I have the tools to be able to check in with myself and say, okay, yes, I feel heartbreak, but am I really sad? And, and I have to describe it that way because mm -hmm. when I feel someone else's sadness, it's a different feeling than when I feel my own sadness. So when I feel sad, I get a feeling behind my eyes, in my nose. It's very much like in my head. Okay. When I feel someone else's sadness, it's very much in my heart and my chest area. Okay. So I, I get that because I do have that once in a while. But I don't think that's the, I wouldn't think that was the only thing that makes a, an empath an empath. I think there would be other things because I, I don't know, I feel like I do that, but I don't feel like I'm an empath. So can we talk about what are some of the traits of an empath? Yeah, really absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So I found an article in Psychology Today that lists 10 traits of an empath and I'm going to kind of talk about whether I feel I do those things or not. I can jump in there with you. Yeah. And then you can tell me if like from your perspective, that's what I'm thinking. Because I am on the kind of the like, I don't think I am, but like maybe I am. I don't know if I am. So I, we're going to work through this together if you don't care. All right. Yeah. No, let's do it. I'm okay. excited. All right. So number one was empaths are highly sensitive. And it says empaths are naturally giving, spiritually open, and good listeners. If you want heart, empaths have got it. 
through thick and thin, these world-class nurturers will be there for you, but they can easily have their feelings hurt too. Empaths are often told they are too sensitive and need to toughen up. I have been told that my entire life, but because of someone else and their feelings, more of like I would, somebody would get upset with me or somebody would say something and I would get, my feelings would get hurt. And so you're just so sensitive, like, right? I'm just joking. You need to toughen up. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think that necessarily discredits it. I don't either. Um, I've literally heard my whole entire life also that I need to toughen up and, oh, you're just too sensitive. You need to let that go and rah, rah, rah. I've heard all of that my whole life also. I think the part of being too sensitive, when you hear that you're being too sensitive, the reason that you hear that is because people don't necessarily want to acknowledge the feelings that they cause. I don't necessarily think that, that that always means you're an empath, but that is definitely a huge, a huge indicator of being an empath. Okay. All right. So I'm going to say no on that one for me. I would say a five. I would probably go a five. If I'm going to scale one to 10, I'm going to go a five on that because I don't feel. All right. So let, let's look at number two. Do you want to read number two? Yeah, and I mean, for me, I would say I am definitely highly sensitive. Uh, very good listener, naturally giving, very, very open. Uh, yes, I would definitely say highly sensitive for myself. And I, uh, to go um, back to this for me, like, I, there's nothing saying that I'm not these things. Like, I'm a wonderful nurturer. I have a warm heart. Like, I'm a very inviting person. I'm, I am giving. I'm a good listener. You are very spiritually open. I am. So... Now, again, I think for me, it's like before recovery, after recovery, I still, either way, I don't think I'm not fully all in on that one for me. I'm not a 10. Definitely not a 10 on that one. All right. So number two, empaths absorb other people's emotions. Empaths are highly attuned to other people's moods, good and bad. They feel everything, sometimes to an extreme. They take on negativity, such as anger or anxiety, which can prove exhausting for them. If they are around peace and love, though, their bodies take these on and flourish. No, no, I don't fall on that one either. I know when people now, are in a good and bad mood. Like, I can read their faces. Yeah, but taking on their feelings is something different, I think. And... and for me, I definitely do. Like like I said earlier, I have to be very, very careful when I am around what people, even people that I adore. Like if Nick is having a bad day, I have to limit the time I spend with him because it is very difficult for me not to physically take on his feelings. Hmm. Okay. Wow. So, huh. They feel everything sometimes to an extreme. So does that mean... Do you ever find yourself, if he's in a bad mood, you're in a worse mood than him? So, like, you go to the extreme with it? Or is it more of, he's in a bad mood, I'm in a bad mood? So, typically, it's the opposite. So, if he's in a bad mood, I tend to be overly nice, overly compassionate, overly kind, and overly caring. Because oh. I know he's in a bad mood. Or if somebody is anxious, I will be overly cautious because I don't want to frighten them. If somebody is sad, I will be overly careful when I'm phrasing things. And 
like the article says also at the exact same time, when I am around somebody that has a lot of energy, I will take that energy on. Like people that have hyperactivity, I tend to notice I pick up that energy. People that are extremely exhausted, I tend to feel more tired when I'm around them. Okay. All right. So now looking at it from your perspective, so I was thinking bad mood, bad mood. I wasn't thinking a place of if this person's in a bad mood, I'm going to take, I'm going to be, I'm going to alter my actions and behaviors, whether I go in a bad mood or I force a good mood or try to overexert a good mood. Right. I think that's where the codependency plays into it is before recovery, I would overexert a good mood because I felt all of those bad moods. Now I feel that bad mood and I just do something different. I remind myself it's not mine. I, you know, there's healthy ways to deal with it rather than going the opposite and trying to make them in a better mood. Okay. So I actually am going to change my answer on this one because this would be before for me. Um, I don't do it now. I really don't. But I would have done that. I would have totally, if someone was in a bad mood, I would have done everything and anything to overcompensate to get them to be not in a bad mood. Yes. I would have taken on their emotions to fix them. Well, and see, for right, and the reason that I was trying to fix them was because I could feel what they were feeling, and that just wasn't okay. I, I didn't want to feel that anymore, and the only way I knew how to not feel it was to make them not feel it. All right, all right, all right, so I'm going to go with number two, that I, I would say yes to this one now. I also say yes. Okay, so you want to do number three? Okay, this is fun, like I'm learning about myself, which <laughs> is really what this is all about. Okay. Number three, many empaths are introverted. Empaths become overwhelmed in crowds, which can amplify their empathy. They tend to be introverted and prefer one-on-one -on -one contact or small groups. Even if an empath is more extroverted, they may prefer to limit how much time they spend in a crowd or at a party. So before you answer this, let me ask you, would you call me an introvert or would you call me an extrovert? Knowing you the way I know you. So right, again, I think everybody needs to know we've never met in person in the same room ever. Right. But we you've known very, very many things about me and have known me for quite some time now. Right. I would naturally say you're extroverted, but I know you're an introvert. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing about me. And I would say a lot of empaths also are this way. I am an extrovert. I love talking. I love sharing. I love being around people. However, I cannot be around large crowds. I cannot be around a lot of people because, again, I can feel their emotions. And if you can imagine amplifying your going to a concert and being excited and happy and having that adrenaline and then amplify that by 10,000 people, it, it is just so overwhelming that I literally might go to a concert once every five or six years. Hmm. And I love music. I absolutely love music. But I cannot be around that many people because it is absolutely draining. Okay. So I 
am an introvert. So I heard, let me first, I heard, I read something a while back and we might, I might've shared this on another podcast talking about introverts and extroverts and they gave a different perspective on introverts and extroverts. So I would consider myself an introvert. It basically it said was an introvert needs to have alone time to rejuvenate their energy and yes. an extrovert rejuvenates their energy being around other people. So with that definition, which I do remember you sharing, and I think it was on the podcast as well, uh, with that definition, I do consider myself an introvert because I only have a certain number of people points. And when those people points are gone, I need some time alone to recover. Yes. I am an introvert as well because I need time to, to rejuvenate. So very busy during the week with Coda. You know that. I know you are as well. I, you know, I work full time Sunday night through Thursday night. It's Coda, 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 Coda. I'm talking, talking, talking. That's, I feel like that's all I do Monday, Sunday night through Thursday. Weekend, I'm going out with the girls, right? Going with friends to dinner, brunch. A lot of times one to, it's going to be one to two nights or one to two times during the weekend. I have to, have to have the rest of the time to myself to the point that I don't even want to date because if I date, that means I have to give somebody else more time and I don't have, that's what I say is I don't have the time to give. It's not about my actual clock time. It's more of my energy. Absolutely. For sure. I would definitely say you're an introvert. Oh, I'm 100% an introvert. 100%. There's the, yeah. Now, I am comfortable around, I'm good with one-on-one, I'm good with small groups. I don't love a big crowd, not, and typically for me, it's not about the other people, because like, I can go to a ball game, or I can go to, you know, I can go to Raymond James and watch the Bucks, I can go do all that stuff, and I can be very much in my own world, and not take, even realize, you know, like, I know there's other people around, but you know, I'm very much into myself, or who I'm with. Right. To go into a conference, a work conference, or something like that with, you know, 200 people, it's not so much about them as it is about me, and about me not feeling enough in that group. Oh, everybody's staring at me. Oh, everybody's. So it's, I don't want to, I can't say that it would have anything to do with me being an empath as much as it would be of my own insecurities. Okay. And, and for me is very different, which that's right. That's why we're talking about it. Yeah. So, I mean, I would still say both, we are definitely both introverts. I would still yes. say. hundred percent. All right. So number four, empaths are highly intuitive. Empaths experience the world through their intuition. It is important for them to develop their intuition and listen to their gut feelings about people. This helps empaths find positive relationships and avoid energy vampires. <laughs> I can't do anything but laugh. And that's my answer for me. I am so not highly intuitive. Oh my God. Really? Not at all. I am so oblivious to the point. Shit. Let's like, I mean, look at my relationships. Like if I was intuitive, maybe I'd be, have been better off um, <laughs> <laughs> because I do, I ignore, I, I ignore my gut feelings completely. I do not pay attention to anything anybody else is doing. It's all, yeah, I'm no, I'm not highly intuitive at all. 
See, and I am extremely highly intuitive. I am that person who will shake someone's hand and look at my partner and say, I will never speak to them again. Or they are a wonderful person. And it has nothing to do with their looks. It has nothing to do with their clothes. It is 100% about what my gut tells me. And I can't explain it. A lot of times, Nick mm. or the kids or like Destiny will bring someone over and be like, Mom, you got to meet them. I got to know if I can be friends with them. And I'm not even talking about like a boyfriend. I'm just talking about a friend. And yeah. I'll be like, no, you, you can't be friends with them. She'll be like, why? What's wrong with them? I'll be like, I don't know. I can't tell you what's wrong with them, but my gut says absolutely not. And that's not really telling her she's not allowed to be friends. Yeah. That's just telling her what my gut thinks. Or somebody will introduce me to somebody and I, I will just, all right, it's it's nice to meet you. All right, well, I got to go. I'll catch you guys later. And I will just make myself scarce because there is something in my gut that says get away. Or even at work. There's a meeting and we're all talking and all of a sudden somebody else comes up and starts talking and the meeting's over, but every, so they're still talking about work stuff. And it's not something I need to get. No, my gut says it's about to turn. The conversation is about to turn in a way. I'll just leave. I won't stand around and find out what the conversation is about to turn into. I won't wait to hear what's going to happen. If my gut says this doesn't have to do with you, you need to go now. I will turn around and I will leave. I do understand what you're saying about there's just certain people like you can like, I don't know, there's something about them I don't like. Yes. I do get that feeling. So I'm not completely oblivious, but I don't get it very often. Like it's never, I don't know. It's just like there's something about the person. Yeah. So I do get it. It's just not very often. Like I don't. And I usually, I guess maybe now. I think, and I think that's, I, it's hard because I've been, you know, I've been in recovery for a while. So sometimes there, unless it, I can't think always back about like how I was before. I just know how I am now. If I don't like somebody, I don't like run from them or say, you know, like I just don't give them the time of the day. Right. I'm just like, eh, I just won't talk to them. Like literally I won't even look at them. Right. So yeah, no, I'm not, I'm definitely not. Okay. So that's interesting, but that's interesting that what you said. Okay. So that's weird. So like when you shake somebody's hand, like, is it, so there's a a lot of times, is it like an energy going through you kind of? Um, so there's a lot of times it's, it's, it depends. So there's sometimes where I will be introduced to somebody new. It has only happened about three times in my adult life where I've been introduced to somebody new and it is kind of like an energy. It is almost like, ah, no, it's not like an energy. Cause when I picture an energy, it's like flowing from them into me. And it's not like okay. that. Okay. It's like in, a, for me, it's like an immediate awareness that just says bad, 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 <laughs> very loud, very clear over and over again until I create a certain amount of distance. And it's, depends on the person or the situation what that intensity is and how much distance I need to create before it goes away and there's other times too right I'm talking about extremes there's other times where I'll just be talking to someone and we're just having a conversation a complete stranger in a restaurant for example and all of a sudden I can feel everything that they're feeling and 
God, they just tell me things. I don't know why people tell me things, but they will tell me their whole life story for no reason at all. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. A lot of times for me, though, it's just an immediate knowledge. It's not... I know some people will get, like, visuals, like, like visions in their mind. Okay. Other people will get, like, words, like, like almost like a book, and they can see words in their brain. I know other people get audio where there's a voice in the back of their head that just says this isn't right. But for me, it has always just been an awareness. Very intrigued by this now. Like, I'm like, I'm really intrigued by this. Because like, hmm. you're like, the, what, the way you're describing it, and I know we saw this definition and we were going to avoid it, but like, that is some total paranormal, paranormal shit. That's what I'm just going to say about it. We can leave that alone, but that's what I'm... Well, and that's, so it is in a lot of ways. It's, it's, it's not really paranormal. What it is, it's actually very scientific. So our bodies are made of atoms. Electrons, protons, neutrons. We learned about this in science class in, in school. Every human body, as well as everything, trees, grass, the ground, is made of atoms. And mm -hmm. all of these atoms vibrate on different energies and they communicate with each other. That's, it, it, it's very scientific. And the paranormal kind of aspect of it comes in, in that, there is a power that connects everybody, right? There's this higher power that we don't necessarily understand. And for some reason, it speaks to some of us through our intuition loudly than it speaks to others. I don't necessarily think it's like a higher power directing me. I think it is a gift that my higher power has given me. Maybe it was formed out of survival instincts. I've thought that a lot, right? I mean, I had to learn at a very young age how to know what other people were feeling in order to keep myself physically safe. When I say a very young age, I'm talking about when I was learning how to walk, I had to learn how to keep myself physically safe. So this is something that is ingrained in me before I can even remember. You know what I mean? And who knows, maybe even younger than that. Who knows how old I was when I realized that if mom is angry, I can be in danger. Who knows how young I was when I realized that if dad is swaying or slurring his words, then I could be in danger emotionally. You know what I mean? Like, it very well could just be this is a survival instinct that has been honed to this extreme level that has almost become, and I use air quotes here, magical. But I don't necessarily think there's any actual magic, like undefined science in it. I think it is very scientific, actually. All right. Okay, so number five. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, like, I'm processing a lot here over here. So, yes, number five. Do you want to read it or you want me to? I think it's your turn. Oh, is it? Okay. Um, empaths need alone time. As super responders, empaths find being around people can be draining, so they periodically need time alone to recharge. Even a brief escape prevents emotional overload. For example, empaths like to take their own cars when they go places so they can leave when they please. We've already kind of talked about this. I'm 100% one of those people. 
am too. Yeah, I think that's why I like, I always say like, I love to drive. I love to drive because I, it is my escape if I need to. So I'll just always drive. And so for me, I love to drive because I know that if I drive, I can always go to my car yep. and be alone for five minutes. Exactly. I definitely, without a doubt, need alone time. Yeah. Being an introvert, which what we referred to earlier, re-energizes being alone. That is completely, completely us. So I don't think we need to spend much time on this one. All right. So number six, empaths can become overwhelmed in intimate relationships. (laughs) Too much togetherness can be difficult for an empath, so they may avoid intimate relationships. Deep down, they are afraid of being engulfed and losing their identity. For empaths to be at ease in a relationship, a traditional paradigm for being a couple must be redefined. Wow. So, this, I have to say, this is big. I absolutely 100% lost my entire identity and was completely engulfed in my relationship with Nick before recovery. And... When I was married to my ex-husband, I did the exact same thing with him. Yeah, this one, like I, yeah, I did the same. I've done the same. Literally, like, mm-hmm. giving up hobbies. I love yes. to read. And if it was up to me, I would read a book a week if I had the, the clock time, like the actual free time. Um but for a long time, I just didn't read because every time I picked up a book, I would get someone would say something about it. So I completely stopped reading for years. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Really? Uh-huh. I used to, I could read a book in a day to the point where I wouldn't sleep because I want to finish the book. Like weekend, I could go through two books. Easy. Yes. I actually just did this week. I read an entire book this oh, weekend. Oh, that's great. But my ex-husband, my, my second husband, hated it because I was always in, I was always reading. All you do, all you do is read. All you, and so, you know, I quit reading. And until I started CODA and read self-help books, now I read self-help books, which I love a good dirty novel like right Uh heck yeah yes the dirtier the better like oh i'm all in i have not read a book in years because it's still there which is crazy because i didn't think about this until now that it's still there it's okay for me to read self-help books because that's what like write coda books all day anything i can absorb for knowledge to be a better sponsor be a better coda you know, recovering codependent, be a better, but to just read a smut book because I want to, hmm, guess what I'm going to be doing this weekend? Yes, I did that this weekend and it was really, really nice. Um, Now, I do have to say I've heard a lot of those same comments about reading. I did not recently hear any of those, but I have in the past and I have come to the conclusion that the reason people say things like, oh, your nose is always in a book, or, or I don't know why you do that, it's so boring, it's because they're jealous of your time. Yeah, that's like, for me with, with my ex-husband, my first husband didn't care, he didn't, he didn't care, he just would watch, I'd sit on the couch, I'd read, he'd watch sports. It was our time, we were together, but what I realized with my second husband is he didn't have anything outside of me. 
Yes. And so and when I wasn't when I was reading and I wasn't giving him the attention he thought he needed, and instead of picking up a book or finding, you know, getting up and going doing something, I mean, if I was in the pool, he it would be okay. Because he wasn't sitting out in the sun with me. He would go, then he would go find something else to do in the garage or whatever. But if we were on the couch watching TV and I was trying to read, and you know you can watch TV and read at the same time. If you are an avid reader, you know you can. I, I don't because when I read, it's like I'm watching a movie in my mind oh, as I'm reading. Yeah. So I am one of those people that when I'm reading, Good luck even talking to me. You better come over and stick your hand in front of my book to get my attention. Oh, that's funny. Okay. So I can, no, I can watch TV and read a book at the same time. Yeah, there was very much, he's like, well, you're not even watching this. Or you're, you know, just these little comments because it was, his, it, it was, you're right. It was his own insecurity. It was jealousy. That was, it was, that was his thing. It's not mine. So I'm going to pick up a book. Dang it. That's a good idea. Yeah. Okay. okay, so would you say that you can become overwhelmed in intimate relationships? Yes. In when, this description of it? In the past, yes. Deep down, they are afraid of being engulfed and losing their identity. That is very much in a way where I'm at today. Now, right? It's not that I, I mean, I my life is full. I don't. I'm not looking for a relationship right now. However, there is part of me underlying that does have that fear. Will I be able, what kind, and we've talked, actually we talked about this in what, two, three podcasts ago or something like that, where yes, there was did. fear of what, how I'm going to be in a relationship in the future. And that right there is what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of that I'm going to go back into an old pattern of being an engulfed and losing my identity when and if I go into a relationship. So, yes. Okay. I mean, I definitely, I mean, it's hard with this because I definitely say yes to this before the recovery program. However, at this point, I feel like I have gained so much with tools and self-awareness and self-confidence and no longer needing those survival behaviors that I am no longer worried about losing my identity as I once was. And I, I think what I'm doing here is more telling myself a story than I am like, cause I don't know. I've, I've got the tools. I have great boundaries now. I, I can do all those things and I, and I can maintain it, but there is that little bit of a fear and it's, it's not as it's not I'm not scared. It's just that uncertainty of how I just don't trust myself. Like right there's that little piece of I don't just I'm still I just because of the old patterns and the old way I was, am I would I be good? Right. So maybe not not that it is a deep down fear of being engulfed and losing your identity. Maybe you're just not quite confident in your abilities yet. Yeah, and I right. and I might be just fine going into a relationship. I don't know. You know, I just there's yeah, there's a deep down just little thing that I I'm just not 100 confident with it yet, and I don't think I could I can be 100 confident with it until I'm in it to know if I can be a one. You know what I mean? Absolutely, and I agree. 
Yeah. So you want to read number seven? All right. Empaths are targets for energy vampires. An empath's sensitivity makes them particularly easy marks for an energy vampire whose fear or rage can sap their energy and peace of mind. These vampires may do more than drain an empath's physical energy, especially dangerous ones such as narcissists who lack empathy and are only concerned with themselves, can make empaths believe they're unworthy and unlovable. I am 100% a target. I, I used to be a target for an energy vampire. I'm not now. Now I see it. I feel it. I'm out. I agree with that statement 100%. I definitely used to be the target for energy vampires. Now, I don't, mm, I don't know that I would say I'm a target for energy vampires. What I would say is... In this article, they're using multiple terms, a narcissist with an energy vampire. They're, they're interchanging them. So a narcissist is simply someone who lacks empath empathy and are only concerned about themselves. Right. Those two things are very important. So I think that you could take this on like a sliding scale, right? Like imagine a narcissist at one end and an empath is at the other. And I think all of these things slide towards each other from one extreme to the other there's a lot of gray area there's not just black and white you know what i mean i do let's define what an energy vampire would be and i think it's you know we think of a vampire it's somebody that sucks blood so it's just somebody that sucks your energy right so like for me it was more than just they would drain me it was just simply standing next to just simply standing next to someone who did not have empathy and someone who was only concerned about themselves right being that I could feel what they were feeling it was like they were standing there I don't even know how to say it it's almost like they were like they were trying to suck the compassion out of me mm. and I had to block it like I would have to focus on not so it doesn't feel like this, but it, in, in describing it, if you could picture a line from them to me and them just sucking the energy, the compassion, the, the empathy, that's it. Them literally just sucking the empathy right out of me and pulling it into themselves because they lack it. It didn't feel that way as if they were connected to me and sucking it out, but I definitely felt it draining from me and as I could feel mine draining I could feel their mood I guess increasing okay um it's so hard to put into words because I don't even have to be in an actual conversation or interaction with them I simply have to be in the same room as them interesting okay all right so one of the things on here that I so it says, especially dangerous ones such as narcissists can make empaths believe they're unworthy and unlovable. This sentence I would switch up for me. I would attract narcissists because I felt unworthy and unlovable. I would not say that the narcissist made me feel unworthy or unlovable because I already felt that way. I just didn't know it. Yes, I agree with that 100%. And I also don't think as an empath that they can make you feel unworthy or unlovable right um 
I think that I feel I begin to feel drained and yes. then I can fall into a pattern of negative talk and negative self-thinking, which then helps me feel unlovable and unworthy. But I don't believe that they are making me feel it. I agree with that. Yeah, I, I okay. I, and I agree with that. I think that's that one I think is a little a little misleading yeah. in that. that yeah, that it one. was a little extreme. Yeah. Right. I mean, as we read articles, we read ones that we agree with most of what they say, but that doesn't mean we're going to agree with everything. Right. Right. And, you know, we we are doing, you know, we take from, you know, reputable, but just because they are published, they are reputable articles, it doesn't mean everything is true in them. We don't have to agree with everything. Right. All right. So number eight. Yep. Number eight, empaths become replenished in nature. The busyness of everyday life can be too much for an empath. The natural world nourishes and restores them. It helps them release their burdens, and they take refuge in the presence of green, wild things, the ocean, or other bodies of water. For me, this is an absolute yes, without a doubt. If anybody has listened to any of our podcasts, they know we are replenished in nature. We both are. Absolutely, without a doubt. I mean, that's just... That's my go-to. Anytime I get sad or upset or angry or frustrated or any feeling of any kind, I go outside. Even good ones. I go outside. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So. All right. So number nine. Yep. Empaths have highly tuned senses. An empath's nerves can get frayed by noise, smells, or excessive talking. Oh, my smells. I... As soon as I smell something, I get immediately taken back to whatever most important memory is related to that smell. Okay, I get that. I there, I have smells li- memories linked to smells for sure. But it's not memories linked to smells. Smells that are smells that are. Um, it smells that it smells that in they, they trigger feelings. They trigger okay. memories, then trigger feelings. Oh, okay. All right. Noise. So I have to wear my earbuds at work, even if I don't have music on, because there's machines and fans. They're really not loud. They're not that loud. There's just constant noise. I, I do. I definitely cannot handle excessive noises and talk, talking. Um Chewing with your mouth open, clapping your hands over and over, stomping your foot. My, my daughter loves to tap her fingers. I can't handle it. Oh, wow. Okay. So what about like white noise? Is that too much for you? It depends on what I'm doing. So if I am writing or reading, white noise doesn't bother me. But if I am counting or critical thinking, white noise drives me nuts. So I can tune anything out, like at work, like I'll for like, I won't hear anything and I won't even have my headphones in. Like I just, I can do that. I've always been able to do that. For me, even at work. So if I'm in a meeting and someone is chewing gum sitting next to me, I will get up if they're, if they chew with their mouth open, you know, that smacking, not really smacking like a cow, not even rude, but just chewing your gum with your mouth open. I will get up and move to the opposite side of the room. And sometimes I will actually have to leave the room. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. I can't handle it. My my kids knew how to chew with their mouth closed at 18 months old. Interesting. Well, I'm going to say no on this one for me because I am, I'm not. 
All right, so number 10. Number 10, empaths have huge hearts, but sometimes give too much. Oh, welcome to codependency. <laughs> um, empaths are big-hearted people and try to relieve the pain of others. A homeless person holding a cardboard, I'm hungry sign at a busy set intersection, a hurt child, a distraught friend. It's natural to want to reach out to these people and ease their pain, but empaths don't stop there. Instead, they take it on. Suddenly, they're the one feeling drained or upset when they felt fine before. No. Even in my, mm -hmm. code, even in my codependency, I would overgive, but I didn't take it on. So, yes and no for me. Um, I say yes in that in the moment, I can handle whatever it is because I quick work through it. Like if a child is hurt or my friend is distraught, I will do the right thing and act very well in the moment. And then immediately after the emergency or situation is resolved, I have, I have to go be alone because my people points are gone. Okay. And if it's really bad, I have to go be alone outside in the woods. Okay. So yes, but no, right? I, I don't I don't say that I give too much anymore, but I do know that I will push myself to the brink if I have to help somebody physically, like, right, a child is hurt, my friend is distraught, or somebody is in danger, and I know I can help even though I know I am emotionally frayed and at a certain point, I will push myself past that point because how could I possibly walk away from this person? I will never be able to live with myself. Okay. Hmm. And I'm, I mean, I'm, and I don't like, I know I'm like, nope, nope. Like I sound so like cold and like hard, but on it, but it's not that what I'm saying is I'm just, now that I've looked at these, I am not an empath. And I that's okay. That doesn't mean you're cold or you're no. anything. I have See, plenty of empathy for everyone. Yes. I was a very good codependent, but I've learned to have boundaries. I've learned to take care of myself and take care of myself first. I am a very good codependent. I was mm -hmm. a very good codependent. Right? I also gave way too much and helped where I couldn't and gave what I didn't have and no longer do that. And... I am also an empath. I believe that the difference between having healthy empathy and and being in recovery and having being an empath in recovery, I think the biggest difference is having empathy. I know and I understand what somebody else feels. Being an empath, I feel what somebody else feels. Nothing is wrong with either one of them, right? It doesn't make me less than or you more than or me more than and you less than. It's just the way we process and feel other people's feelings. Absolutely. And I think both of them have their positives. And I mean, being an empath definitely has its negatives, as we have clearly talked about. There was one article, I don't remember where it was, but it said that being an empath is just having hyper empathy. And I thought that was intriguing because just a couple weeks ago, we talked about the word hyper and how I don't know, we couldn't find anything and I don't know of anything even to this moment where we put the word hyper in front of it and it is a positive thing, 
And I mean, yes, hyper empathy, being an empath is a gift. I do view it as a gift because it allows me to know how to talk to who and when. And in my professional career, that has helped me greatly. And that being said, being an empath in that article said it was hyper empathy. And I cannot disagree with that. And we've determined any the word hyper doesn't have any positive meaning. We haven't found any. And again, any listener that can give us something, we would would love it. This kind of leaves me in a conundrum, right? Oh. Because I don't feel like being an empath is a bad thing. It's not. It is a great gift. I've said that for a very long time, and I <laughs> still believe that. And I can see after going through all of this and talking about this like this, I can also see where being a highly empathic, therefore being an empath, it's based off survival instincts. I can absolutely see how that was created out of survival instincts. And I can see how hyper-empathy can be negative. Look, every single one of these 10 things talked about how draining it can be. I have to intentionally make sure that I am very aware of what I feel versus what someone else feels so that I'm not confusing the two of them and acting out of somebody else's feelings instead of my own. But I'm having a really hard time saying that being an empath is not a gift. So maybe instead of being hyper empathetic, maybe you're in an intentional empath. I don't know if that's a thing or if we just made that up, but I like it. I like it too, because that's what I heard you say. And thinking back to everything you said, right, you're an empath, but all of these you've changed to where it's like, it's more intentional. And it is, right? I I do meditations every morning to be aware of other people's emotions and to block them. I take breaks at the times that I'm allowed to take breaks and I go do what I need to do to get my body right if I'm feeling some type of way. And recovery, like you said, intentional recovery has given me the chance to choose whether or not I want to feel someone else's feelings, whether or not I want to be an empath in this moment. Maybe that's all it is. Maybe it's just having the gift of having the choice. And it goes back to your story earlier with walking to this person. You looked at yourself. Was I feeling this? And you put it away, right? You made, you were able to work through it, kind of put it away. That's intention. You are an intentional empath. And let's, maybe we made something new up. I don't know. I could Google it, but I'm not going to right now. But I, yeah, I, I mean, let's, yeah. That's what I hear you saying. You're, a, you're an intentional empath. And I think that's I, pretty I, damn I good. I agree. And I just Googled it and nothing came up. But... <laughs> I agree. I like that. And I I just feel like that's, it can be a thing because it is something you have learned how to navigate being an empath, to be able to take care of yourself. I like it. Whether or not Google says it's a thing, I say it's a thing. So it's a thing. It's a thing. (laughs) We can, everybody listening, you heard it here first. (laughs) It's a thing. Uh, great topic tonight. I've lo- I love doing the part one and part two. It's been a lot of fun, kind of looking sure. at the flip side of something. So ex- probably expect this to happen, you know, again. 
listeners? Absolutely. I have enjoyed it a, a great deal. And uh, I, thank you, Dawn, and thank you to all the listeners. This has been another wonderful week and another wonderful podcast. And uh, I look forward to doing it again next week. Me too. All right, um, Ashley, have a great week. Listeners, talk to you next week. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. We would like to thank you for joining us on this journey of self-discovery. Visit the Work It website at workityouareworthit.com to submit your questions and topics for future episodes. And remember, work it because you are worth it.